Welcome to the Profitable Farmer Podcast, where it's all about increasing the profitability of your farm by working smarter, not harder. G'day, guys, and welcome once again to Profitable Farmer. I think many of us are now at least getting ready for harvest and um, are rolling into what is a really positive year for so many, which is really exciting. And for those of you up north that are already into it, it's great to hear some significant yields coming in. Um, so for the croppers amongst us, all the best for the rest of this season. Hey, um, it's been wonderful over the last few podcasts to interview some really compelling specialists and experts and business minds um, from elite Japanese rugby training to um, business coaching to corporates to private equity in my brother to risk in my father um, and so many others. Um, It's been wonderful. I really have enjoyed it. I hope you have as well. Michael Crosland to celebrate our 60th and the feedback on that podcast has been fantastic. Um, Today, you've got me. And so what I wanted to talk about today was my spin on leadership and driving efficiency in business. Now, I've learned as a lot of this, I don't profess to be an expert at all, but I've learned a lot of this through a mentor of mine whose name is Marshall Ferber. And Years ago, I think 40 years ago, he created a course called Money and You, which is an amazing amazing entrepreneurial program um, that so many of the successful business people of our generation attribute so much of their success to. So the likes of Robert Kiyosaki and Tony Robbins and Jack Canfield and another mentor of mine, Keith Cunningham, all attended Money and You years ago and learned some key entrepreneurial lessons and principles that have underpinned much of their success. Now, Marshall Thurber teaches a lot about the entrepreneurial training that comes from Buckminster Fuller and this guy, W. Edward Deming. Now, W. Edward Deming um, is largely responsible for a lot of the quality and efficiency frameworks that underpin so many businesses across the world. So there are nine hidden turning points in history. There's the Black Death, the Pill, the Plague. So Deming is the only human hidden turning point. So of all the great business minds in history, he is the one who behind the scenes is believed to have had the biggest effect on business and um, success in a lot of what we do commercially across the planet. And he's revered for efficiency and quality. And the story goes, and Marshall Ferber tells us this one, that um, after the Second World War, Deming was a navigator and statistician in the US Army. And MacArthur once said that he's largely the reason why the US won World War II. And so as the U.S. Army was rolling out of Japan, the, um, I understand that the Japanese leaders of the time, political, economic and military, asked if the U.S. Army could send in relief to help them recover from um, being decimated in the Second World War. And in MacArthur, in his wisdom, left Deming behind. 
And Deming made a prediction that if the Japanese business leaders of the great manufacturing companies all followed and applied statistical, mathematical and statistical rigour to their production lines, that he could help them move from being mass producers of below average um, output, so mass producers of junk perhaps, um, to being revered for efficiency and quality. And if you think about the companies now like Toyota and Gillette and Mitsubishi, um, now Ford in America, so many of these companies have applied the Deming methodology. And as commodity producers, so much of what we're about is low cost, managing optimum output, so maximising efficiency um, for the lowest level of input or the lowest cost. And so I figure if it's good enough for Toyota and good enough for Gillette and Mitsubishi and so many of these great global companies, maybe some of those principles are good enough for us. And so just to launch in, Deming believed and he proved in science that whenever there is a breakdown or an inefficiency or a problem in our business, that 94% of the time that can be resolved or fixed by a systems correction. But if you think about it in business, when one of our workmen or one of our farmhands or even one of our family members has a, makes a mistake or has a problem or there is an inefficiency or a breakdown, as business owners and leaders, it's our human nature to focus on them as the problem. So, you know, a fence gets built in the wrong direction or a tractor gets serviced in the wrong way or um, there are so many examples. Chemical gets put into the um, spray unit inaccurately. And when that happens, it's so easy to lay blame and point the figure at the person who created that problem. Now, what Deming talks a lot about, guys, and this is, I guess, a really important lesson that I'd like for you to get, is that when there is a breakdown or an inefficiency or one of your people does something the wrong way, it's actually not their fault. They're doing the best they can with the information that they have. But the other way to look at it, perhaps, is that those issues and breakdowns and inefficiencies in your business, when they happen, Perhaps that's your business telling you that the systems that support your people aren't good enough to deliver the outcome that you want. And so what Deming suggested is that when there is an inefficiency or a breakdown in our business, what we need to do as leaders is first look for the systems correction, take the feedback don't make the individual wrong for their mistake, but use that as an opportunity to identify how I need to fix the system that supports my people such that it never happens again. And just to emphasise this point, I want to tell you a story. I used to have an interest in a cleaning company up in Queensland. And while we were at one of these courses, one of the teachers, Bill Allen, was presenting on stage and it so happened that his company had grown from a standing start 
of one employee to 4,000 employees on all five islands of Hawaii, and he delivered the five-star resort cleaning to most of the resorts, five-star resorts across Hawaii, 4,000 people in that company delivering five-star cleaning outcomes before 11 o'clock in the morning to all the five- and six-star resorts across Hawaii. An amazing business. But his journey to achieve that outcome was all based on applying the Deming methodology. And so there I was with my business partner, Paul, at one of these events. And in the break, we went up to Bill Allen and said, hey, Bill, we've got a cleaning company in Queensland. Um, You've been incredibly successful in that space in Hawaii. Could we come over and spend some time with you and learn how you've applied this stuff to your business and seen it grow as a result? Now, Bill looked at us and said, do you realise how many people have asked me over my last 30 years to actually come and learn from me? And I said, yeah, look, there must have been hundreds. And so I completely get if it's inconvenient. And he said, no one. He did the donut with his hands and he said, no one has ever asked to come and see how we've done what we've done. And so Bill made the comment, and this is a bit of an aside, but he said, how many requests don't we make that if we did could change our life beyond our wildest dreams? You know, here we are all in business and often we think we've just got to work it all out for, our, for ourselves. How many requests of people who've been successful before us in our industry have we not asked for help or to go and learn from or to mentor us? You know, if our success is, you know, so much underpinned by our teachers and our mentors, maybe there are more requests we can make of successful people around us to help us get to the next level. Anyway, so Bill said absolutely and he insisted that we bring our wives and then young children and so we'd just had our second child literally three months ago and so I went home from this um, conference and said to Bill, I said to my wife, Jane, hey, um, I think we're going to Hawaii and I don't think we're going to be able to get out of it. And Paul was the same. He had three kids. His were under seven and ours were under three and um We tried to get out of this trip, but Bill insisted. He offered to, you know, have a nanny for us on arrival and he put us up in one of his houses and he treated us like royalty. And it was an amazing experience to learn how he had applied these principles. But on one of these days, we're walking around the Ritz-Carlton and he wanted to show us how efficiently his cleaners could clean a whole room. They could do it in under 11 minutes. And the whole approach to how they clean every room was completely systemized. So where to start, what to do first, how to move around the bed, the vacuum cleaner coil was folded a certain way. Um, It was completely choreographed. And all of his cleaners across all of those resorts were doing it exactly the same way. And when I was there, we're standing there watching this room being cleaned by one Mexican cleaner with the senior manager of that cleaning department and Bill Allen, the owner of the business, they noticed that there was a bit of frayed carpet in one corner that had been missed. Now, it would have been easy to have toweled up and criticised and made that Mexican cleaner wrong in that moment for missing 
that little bit of frayed carpet in the corner of the room. But instead, we watched as Bill Allen and this senior manager of the company sidled up to this young Mexican cleaner and said, "This, um, look at this, here's the problem. And they put their arm around him and said, could you team up with us and help us work out how we can improve our system such that this problem never happens for any other cleaner in our company? And so in that moment, they enrolled the cleaner to take responsibility and ownership for helping them improve their system. I just thought that was such a good example of the Deming method around there is always a systems correction to our people problem. And so I guess the question that I want to ask you is think of a mistake or a problem that happened last week or in the last fortnight, and when it happened, did you focus on the person who made the problem? Or did you focus on how you might improve your system such that that problem never happened again? You know, I think back to the Ray Kroc and the McDonald's story. Ray Kroc found the McDonald's brothers and their amazing hamburger store. And there was one store and two brothers. And he decided that what they did was pretty special and that they had something pretty unique. And so he bought that business. Now, what he didn't do was go to work to try and he didn't go to work flipping hamburgers and learning how to do what needed to be done to turn hamburgers out of that first store. He spent three years systemizing every aspect of that business such that after three years, he felt his systems were good enough that he could open his second store. And then it took something like another 12 months before he opened his third one. And then the growth of McDonald's played out exponentially thereafter. So what Ray Kroc did is he went to work on his systems. And so I think this is a key point that the really successful entrepreneurs in business and the really successful business owners get is that our businesses need to build out their systems such that our people work efficiently and effectively to the systems that you have in place. Deming goes one step further to say that we just can't trust people. And so if we allocate a task and ask someone to do something, that it's highly likely that we're setting them up to fail and to not be able to succeed unless we give them a well-thought-out system to follow. So McDonald's is only successful because of the quality of the system that supports it. And the same is true for Toyota and Mitsubishi and all of those. So I guess the question I have for you guys as farmers, and I don't think this is necessarily on all of our radars, but how much time are you spending getting the team structure, the job descriptions, the organisational charts, checklists, forms, meeting agendas, all of those things in place such that your business is systemized in a way that it just works without you and that your people are supported with what they need to be successful in their roles. I think it's such an important part. 
And so, as I said before, it's human nature to want to blame someone else when there's a problem or make an excuse as to why that happened. The worst thing we can do is avoid the problem or go into denial or pretend that that problem didn't happen. And so we talk about this construct of above and below the line at farm owners, and we're really big on this principle. And it's actually a Deming principle, above and below the line. The below the line behaviour is where victims play from. And that is when we blame others, make excuses, or we operate in denial, we pretend problems don't happen. Now, the opposite of that, where successful people play from, is above the line, where we take responsibility for everything that happens in our business, that we are willing to be held accountable and that we're willing to take complete ownership for all aspects of our success, business and otherwise. Now, what Deming proved as a statistician and a a mathematician is that 48% of the waste in any business can be the result of below-the-line behaviour and below-the-line narrative. So blaming others, making excuses and avoiding problems can be where 48% of our inefficiency comes from or 48% of where the waste is in our business. And if you think about it, if there's a problem and we blame someone and then we dust ourselves off and have another go, the only thing we've done really is demotivated that individual by making them wrong. And what we haven't done is improved our business. We haven't fixed the problem into the future. So it's highly likely unless we improve the system that that problem's just going to happen all over again at some point into the future. The other thing I see business owners do all the time is Chinese whispers. So some new employee comes into the farm business and we show them and tell them how to do something. And then we disappear and expect them to do it that way again and again and again. Now, at some point, they'll tell someone else how to do it and it'll start again. But at no point have we documented what the standard is, what the expectations are, and what the protocol is on how you want that delivered or done to your standard. So these systems are just so important. But it's human nature to want to focus on making that person wrong or to justifying or to amplifying the problem by going into denial. But I want to suggest to you that making someone wrong and feeling the need to be right, and this is a bit of a, a bit of build, pill to swallow, that's just you being righteous as the owner. And it's very hard to inspire and motivate people if you're being righteous and making them wrong. And so the key systems that Deming believes that we need is a really clear vision a really clear enrolling and inspiring vision of where we want to take this business. And that needs to be unique and engaging for your people. A really strong set of core values that are published and public, again, that are enrolling and inspiring. And then a code of conduct 
that sets down what the standards and expectations are on how we play together and how we support each other. And I know with my clients and our Platinum Mastermind members, we're huge on this. You know, you look at the US Army Code of Conduct or you look at the Ritz-Carlton Service Credo or you look at the All Blacks 13 principles for their success and they're world-class documents. They're amazing standards that enrol and inspire and have people turning up wanting to play at their best and deliver a six-star high-quality outcome. Now, most of us don't think about vision and value statements and codes of conduct necessarily as systems, but they absolutely are. Now, if we to take this one step further, what Deming would do, if you think about in Toyota, when those individuals were in the production line, he would give one part of the production line over to the individual employee and give them complete ownership of that. What we like to do in Western business is to give people a target and say, I want you to hit this target. And, you know, I think about this and think if if I asked you to do 15 push-ups, how many would you do? You might do 10 and that might be all you can do, but you might do 15 and then stop. What if you could have done 20? or 25, or 30. I think it's a really key point that KPIs are important, but they're not necessarily it if they're used as targets. And what Deming said is that we just need to inspire everyone in our team to be in pursuit of perfection. So Lexus is another company that Deming worked with, and their tagline still to this day is passionately in pursuit of perfection. And so all he asked for that person on the manufacturing chain who might be, you know, putting the the nuts on the wheels of the car all day, every day, was to pursue perfect. And he always said that the only place that perfection is found is in the dictionary. And so then he would just track that person's performance. And the goal was just to do better than yesterday and to keep improving. And he would track improvement and they would celebrate improvement but again he hammered that point home that what gets measured gets managed and what gets managed gets done and if the focus is on perfection and having a metric that allows someone to improve in your business and pursue perfection that that in and of itself is really um, engaging and motivating for our people So I guess the underlying theme here, guys, is to make our people right, not wrong. Be gentle on our people, but really focused on improving our system. I did some work years ago with ProWay Livestock. And at that time, Andrew Hunter was its managing director. And Andrew, if you listen to this, I hope you don't mind me sharing this story. I've got a lot of respect for Andrew. I was lucky enough to grow up on the farm next door to him at Yeron Creek. Um, But I distinctly remember Andrew effectively saying, I'm going to paraphrase, in a heated moment with one of his employees who wasn't quite nailing it, he said, look, there's nothing wrong with you, but just don't mess with my system. 
you know. Andrew had spent so much time with his team getting the system right so that he could manufacture and distribute cattle yards across Australia to the highest standard so that cattle yards can arrive to northern Queensland and be installed by a subcontractor with not a nut or a washer or anything missing. And what that comment really meant to me is that he had gone really intently on getting the system right But more importantly, by having that system, he could be soft on the person, there's nothing wrong with you, but don't mess with my system, hard on the system. And if you've got a vision statement and a set of core values and a code of conduct on the wall for everyone that you have on your team to buy into and follow, then when there is a mistake, instead of pointing the finger at the person, the opportunity is to point the finger at the standard or the code or the core values and say something like, you're you're a good bloke. You're all right. There is nothing wrong with you, but your behaviour is not okay or that result is not consistent with our standard. And so take a look at standard number four or standard number six. And, you know, my, my request of you is can you lift your game? And by saying that, we are being gentle on the person, making them right, not wrong, but upholding a standard and enforcing a system. I mentioned before that we can't always trust people. I mean that completely respectfully of people in our business and team. And any employees listening to this, please know this is not in any way a slant. But if we want a consistent, repeatable outcome, no matter who is in the role, then we've got to have a really strong system for how we do stuff and how we get stuff done. And then we hold people accountable to delivering to that standard and to that system. Now, in plumbing companies that scale and in accounting practices and physiotherapy practices that scale, All of those businesses are underpinned by strong systems. So when those physiotherapy practices open their fourth and fifth and sixth store, that the systems get picked up and taken with them so that the operating standards, the service standards, the efficiencies and the quality metrics are all delivered across multiple outlets. The communication rhythm, the meeting framework, All of that gets duplicated and that's how businesses grow. Now, I just want to make the observation that in farm businesses, I don't see this happening a lot where we have so many farm business owners and farming families busy doing the work of the business and at the end of the year, there's no improvement to the business system that supports that farm, which by default, means that we're stuck in our business, doing the work of our business. If we want to consistently grow and expand and take on land next door and build out a team that can get work done for us and create a farm business that is profitable and structured such that it can work without you and have a team of people that can follow your systems and deliver a high-quality outcome whether you're there or not, 
then we've got to focus like small business does on building out our systems. That's why at the Platinum Mastermind program within Farm Owners Academy, we believe it's at a minimum a three-year journey. And we've got a nine-step process over those three years. So three modules a year per year for three years to give you a set method by which to build out the key components of your business such that you can set it up and resource it well with good people such that they're empowered to be able to deliver a high-quality outcome and allow you to expand your farm, whatever that looks like for you. So there's so much depth to the Deming piece on business growth and business development. Um, I could go on for a lot longer, but if you are interested in learning more about those key principles that underpin how to structure your business and systemize your business and support your people and create a culture of high performance where everyone feels empowered, then we'd welcome you to one of our two-day top producers events, February in Adelaide, June in Sydney and September in Melbourne. They're filling up. I think the February one in Adelaide is nearly full. So jump onto our website and look for Top Producers Program. It's a two-day event and we go into this nine-step process in real detail. It'd be great to see you there. So the next important piece in the Deming sequence is flow charting. So in any function in a business... And if you think about a production line, a manufacturing production line for cars or for anything else, he would flowchart the sequence of activities that had to happen and then he would insist that we flowchart at three levels deep. And so the first level is a 30,000-foot flowchart of what that sequence looks like. And if it's um, cropping or livestock management, I think we can create a flowchart as it unfolds in front of us the key actions and the key decisions that have to happen in order in order to affect that function in the business successfully. And then he would go to the second level of detail and then the third level of detail. So just as an example, if we're designing a recruitment process, we would need to define the role, write the job description, write the ad, confirm how we're going to market, engage those marketing channels, um, let the campaign run, and the sequence goes on. And then underneath each of those, he would then flowchart it at the second level. So next to that box, write the job description, he would create a second flowchart, which is how to write a job description. And then the next level under that is for each step in those um, that sequence of how to write a job description, he'd give even more detail. And if you think about companies like McDonald's, this is how they get that level of accuracy that 12-year-olds and 14-year-olds can follow the checklists and follow the processes and deliver a consistent outcome across tens of thousands of stores every time, no matter who's rostered onto that task at any point in time. So flowcharting is critical 
and then flow charting three levels deep. And then he would put a success measure around each step in that flow chart. And then he would inspire that individual to, that, that is responsible for that to go about improving that metric or that KPI or that critical measure every day or every shift over time and looking to innovate around how we can improve that process. So flow charting is a really important part and then getting metrics around how to do that flow chart more efficiently is key as well. And as I say, I think when it comes to cropping, livestock, um, recruiting, financial admin, um, strategic planning, all of these functions in a farm business, I believe that that flow charting sequence can work um, and it's certainly something that we're exploring more fully now with our clients in helping them systemise their business. So one of the final points that Deming hammers home is that leadership and the best definition of leadership that I've ever heard is about giving people certainty. All we want from our political and business and military and other leaders is certainty. We want them to give us predictability. All our employees want is certainty. And so if they have landed in a business that doesn't have any systems and they're just trying to do the best they can with the skills that they have, but they've actually got no idea what your standards or values or expectations or protocols or policies are, then you're not giving your employees certainty. Focusing on, on getting the systems in place that support them can give them certainty in their days and weeks that they're delivering to a standard. I think about households where there are no rules for the kids. Um, it's hard for them to know how to operate. It's a bit like if you think about it, if I sent you onto a gridiron or an American football field now, we put the shoulder pads on, the mouth guard in and the helmet on, and we threw you into an elite game of American football, how would you go? The reality is if you don't know the rules of the game, you might get away with that for a little while, but you're going to come unstuck. It's the same for employees if we don't set the rules and teach them the rules and the standards. They're going to be performing, but nowhere near their optimum and nowhere near the standards that you expect. And so it's back on us to create the rules of the game and the systems for them to follow. And so, you know, for that game of American football, there is the rules of American football, how to play the game. In the same way in rugby or Aussie rules, there's rules. And once you know them and you know them intrinsically, then within the confines of those rules, you can play full tilt and bring your best and go all out and take risks and make mistakes and those risks be okay because you know that by making them, as long as you're doing your best to the standards, that you're going to get um, supported by the people around you. And then within the game of American football, there's also the set of rules for the individual teams. You know, is it okay to turn up late to training? 
Is it okay to wear sneakers at training or to not wear a helmet? And so there are the rules of the game and then there are the rules of the team. And it's back on us as business owners to make sure that we've got those documented so that our people can play full tilt within the confines of the rules and the standards and the expectations that we set for them. We've got a set of rules that we roll it. We lie down on the, on, the, on the floor with our kids every six months, sorry, every three months, and we rewrite our household rules. And it's a really positive, fun, engaging process. But those six rules go on the wall and go on the fridge, and it's then on everyone to hold everyone accountable to playing by those rules. And I like to think that now my kids know the rules you know, please follow our instructions first time is one of them so that we don't have to ask the same thing over and again. And when they don't follow our instructions first time, instead of making them wrong, we just get to point to the wall. And they correct. So it's not a perfect science and people management isn't a perfect science. But I just want to encourage you to explore what are the systems that I could get in place that would drive most of my people issues out. Just in finishing, if you think about a glass jar full of water, what is it without the glass? Now, the simple answer is that it's a mess. Now, most of us in business are spending most of our time containing the mess but if you have the glass jar and that is your system and your structure then your business has a context it has a way of operating and if you think about the water then inside the jar as the busyness the content the day-to-day decisions the day-to-day actions attitudes and behaviors of our people once you've got the context set then the water within it just finds its own level and there is no need to try and spend all your time trying to contain the mess. So I guess what I want to say is, guys, let's go to work on creating the context for who we are, what we're a way to achieve, what our values are, what our standards and expectations are and setting the context for our people such that they can turn up, know the rules, and play full tilt. There's a whole lot more on the Deming methodology, and I'd be happy to share that. So please give us feedback if you'd like us to go deeper in this in future podcasts. And as I say, if this stuff interests you, we'd love to see you at our two-day top producer event. In finishing, it's been amazing in recent months to interview a number of Nuffield scholars and other highly successful business owners as part of our recent online Platinum Mastermind client conference. We had to move that event online, but I got to interview five or six incredible success stories in Andrew Fowler out of WA, who's moved from 3,000 hectares to 30,000 hectares with his family over 20 years. Um, to John Alvis in England, who's gone from 50 milking cows to 4,000 milking cows, supplying cheese to over 40 countries into Europe and beyond. Um, some amazing interviews.
And what really resonated with me is that they made their people right. They recruited people. They brought them in. They looked after them. They backed them. And they took responsibility for the systems and the structures that supported their success in their business. So that's the key message that came out as a common theme across all of those interviews. And these are people who have significantly scaled their farm businesses over the last 10 and 20 years. So like Toyota, like Gillette, like Lexus, like Mitsubishi, if it's good enough for them and it's good enough for these amazing local family success stories, then perhaps these principles are good enough for us. Guys, thanks for listening. Thanks again for your interest in Profitable Farmer and for tracking with us as we celebrate our 60th episode last edition and now our 61st. If there are other people that you would like for me to interview, we'd love to see emails coming in from you. So send us an email on support at farmownersacademy.com. That is support at farmownersacademy.com. And we would love to interview other great business minds and great farm business success stories that you think have compelling stories to share so that we can all learn, collaborate and grow together. For me, that's what this podcast is all about. And if you've got people who you think have a significant story to tell, I'd love to meet them. I'd love to interview them and I'd love to introduce them to the network that now follows Profitable Farmer. Guys, all the best with the rest of your season. I hope it's genuinely positive for you. All the best for the rest of harvest and for shearing. And as we move into summer and wrapping up the year and then into Christmas. Thanks for listening. And I look forward to connecting with you in a few weeks' time in Episode 62. For now, take care. Thank you. And bye for now.